Welcome to the Extra Pass podcast presented by Melbourne United. I'm your host, Ben Hopkins, joined as always by my co-host, Adam Ballinger. Balls, how are you? Good, Ben. How are you? I'm well. Weather! <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of my calling card now. Right. You remember no, that? I did it last one. Now I've done it again. I he thought I wasn't going to do it. Do uh-huh, remember, gotcha. Do you remember those uh, commercials? Uh, yep. Yeah, he's old enough. Yeah, it was not of my era. No, it was like 90. Were, it yeah. was like 90. A few people 90. liked it. My brother enjoyed it. He messaged me afterwards. He was like, make sure Balls does it every that episode. That was for those few people. That was for, for those people out there. Well, one person that clearly enjoyed it, our guest today, <laughs> returning to the podcast, Dave Barlow. DB, how are you? Going well, thanks. How are you doing? Oh, always well, and especially always well coming off a, a big comeback win. Um, I mean, we we have to just get straight into it. It's a It was a roller coaster of a game, obviously a, a difficult start to the game, difficult first half, and then just a huge turnaround in that second. Take us through it from the coach's perspective. Uh, yes, yeah, so definitely a bit of a frustrating first half. Uh just kind of dropped the ball in a in a couple of areas that um, we really should have been better at. I think um, probably didn't didn't stick to the to the game plan as well as what we would have liked. I think especially on the defensive end. Uh, offensively, we weren't great, but there were some positive signs. I think we had we had a lot of good looks that didn't go in and um, shots that we we would have been happy to take um, every day. So. There were, yeah, there were some things just to clean up at halftime and, and what, a, what a remarkable turnaround. Um, changed the game, changed our, our energy, our effort, our commitment to, to kind of who we are. Um, like I said, in particular on the defensive end and, and shots started to fall and um, amazing crowd, amazing atmosphere. Um, super fun, super fun to be a part of. You talk about... I guess, going away from the game plan on the defensive end, but also it seemed like offensively Sydney have uh, on offensively for us, Sydney play a unique defense in terms of the NBL where they just switch everything. How much does that sort of take you out of your game plan? I guess when you sort of see mismatches out there and you try to take advantage, but it maybe gets you out of your sets. Uh, I wouldn't say it's unique. I think switching is becoming more, um, more, more prevalent. I mean, it's, it's obviously always been there, but, um, they've committed to it um, pretty well, I guess. Um, by well, I mean, you know, consistently and, and shown that to be kind of, let's say, their home base at this stage. Uh, so obviously we, we, we tried to prepare as best we could for that and we had certain strategies in play and certain plays to go at and, 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 and different things to consider, um, spacing, ball movement, screening angles, et cetera. Um, to be honest, maybe they matched up in a, in a way that we probably weren't expecting at the start of the game, and and maybe we got a bit clunky trying to exploit those those matchups. But like I said, we 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 had a lot of really really good shots, and that wasn't our problem in in the first half. Like, well, I, I can't remember what the score was. They had a lot of points. What did we have? Can you remember? I think it was at half at halftime. Yes, correct. Fifty three thirty eight. Yes, like. We missed, we missed some really good shots. So we had an, op, you know, we easily could have had 50 points. So although we weren't great offensively, like you could look back at many possessions and say, what are we doing here? You know, we're very poor. But like I said, that wasn't, I don't think that was the main issue. And you talk about maybe not capitalizing on those opportunities or missing opportunities and probably should have having more, should have had more points in the first half. 
the second half was just a scoring explosion. 67 points in 20 minutes is a lot, especially for a team like ours that this season haven't put up as huge a scores as have in previous years. But what did you see in the second half in terms of contributors from everywhere and people really capitalizing on their opportunities? Uh, I don't want to harp on it, but I just think we played better defense, which created more fast break opportunities, put more pace in the game, um, opened up, you know, different things. And that combined with shot making, like we, we started to make shots, made the probably the easy shots that we missed in the first half. And, and obviously like CG was cooking, that's always going to help the, the scoreboard tick over, you know, other guys stepped in and, and made some big plays, hit big shots, like LT hit two, Flynn hit a couple, like, and yeah, I think just a combination of those things. Like, I think we can be a potent offensive team. Like we have the talent obviously to do that. And, you know, a million variables at play and pace of the game, the opponent strategy, et cetera. And like, you know, bottom line is we're trying to win a game. We're not trying to put points on the board. And, um, it, you know, it just so happened that, that in that half, like I said, the pace of the game and, and the strategy of the opponent and the, the, you know, just, you know, we just started to make shots and, many things go into, into that for sure. Yeah, the feedback from my dad was uh, <laughs> first half we were terrible and Chris Golding's very good. He watched the game. He, my parents are out here. Shout out to Ken and Donna Ballinger. Um, we watched the game from home. He was very impressed, but he said the first half was You couldn't get him a ticket? Oh, uh, not for this game. I think the next game we'll get him a ticket. I asked, but they said no. They, said, no. they just said, get to work. Said, <laughs> <laughs> Shut your mouth and keep lifting things. Um, but no, he watched it. I mean, you know, he's obviously seen a lot of the NBL. But uh, that second half was was something special. Yeah, and we talk about the second half. You talked about CG cooking and just the shot making. It's something that you two have obviously seen up close and personal for a very long time. I feel like we could spend the whole podcast just talking about CG's game and CG's performances across this season. But 35 points, eight three-pointers. Can you take me through what it's like to see one of those games where Chris has just got his eye in and there's just there's, it's seemingly no stopping him because he has five threes in the first half. He doesn't hit any in the, in the third quarter. But then with us making a run and the game sort of in the balance, he comes out and knocks in three threes in I think two and a half minutes to close the game. What was it like from the sideline just seeing someone who you've been alongside with for so long have a performance like that? Uh. It was it was awesome to watch. It was great fun, and the crowd got around him and around us. And uh, sometimes you kind of just like I sit there on the bench, and I'm like, "Damn, that's that's a crazy, that's <laughs> so impressive, like super <laughs> impressive." And how good, how bloody good! And you know, you just add three plus three plus three. Um, I, it didn't seem to me you just said he hit five in the first and didn't um, didn't hit another three until the. It felt like it was just a constant kind of. Um, he was putting constant pressure on them to kind of, you know, guard him, stay with him, be fearful of, you know, of him in, in wherever he was on the court. Um, and, and the, the, the action that we went to at the end of the game and his effectiveness in it and the way everyone kind of, you know, played around him, um, kind of just, it was awesome to watch. And it, it definitely made it feel to me like he, he was, you know, he was, he was unstoppable. Um, what's it like? I, I'm, like maybe I've just like come to expect expect it, you know, like that's just what he does. He's a professional. He goes about his business in a really admirable way. He's ultra talented and it's like like you like like old man Ken said, 
He's very, very good at basketball. Very, very good. <laughs> he knows his he knows he's, his ball. He's, he's really good. Observer. He knows his ball. But like, um, what like it's it's great fun fun to be a part of and, um, yeah, being out there with him is is great fun. Watching from the sidelines is is brilliant and and having the crowd like that and you know being part of that big comeback against the you know top two teams going at it kind of all came together to make it like a really really fun night. You use the word fear from the opposition, just of the threat he is, especially when he's had a first half like he had where he hits five threes. Can can both of you talk a bit about, or, or can you sort of give me some insight, what it's like to play with a guy like that and how much that opens everything up for everyone else? Because obviously Chris has 35, but there were contributors everywhere. Uh, LT has 18, Joe has 17, you know, Flynn's making shots, Shilly's getting to the basket. How much does having the fear of a shooter like Chris just open things up for everyone else. You want me to, me to go? I'll, I'll go first and then Dave will say it better than me. But <laughs> uh, I just, like you said, is the fear, it's the constant threat of, of like his, he's kind of like a magnet to the defense. And it's not just impressive what he's doing, but also it's doubly impressive considering before the game, the scout is do not let him get open from three. He'll shoot from anywhere. Don't let him shoot. And he's still making all those, all those tough shots. It's not like they're spot up kick out threes where he's open. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just a constant threat. So it's not just him being able to get hit the assist from his own pass, but he's getting assists because of the defense he's drawing and other guys are more open and, and able to, to have a good game just because of kind of the uh, demand for the defense to always be aware where he is. Dave. I think you nailed that one, mate. Well done. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. I think he's he's a he's a big time asset. Obviously, if he's got the ball in his hands and he's making plays for himself or others, he's a brilliant and probably underrated playmaker. Very smart player, very gifted passer. Um, but when off ball, yeah, talk about the spacing that he provides and and essentially taking his man out of the equation and making them probably uh, like irrationally not irrationally sorry, just you know poor poor poorly principled defenders because of the threat that that he is and the fear that they have that he's going to get open and 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 shoot a shot they essentially take themselves out of the picture so um yeah he's a he's a really really good player and <laughs> and and underrated in in areas other than putting yeah. the ball in the hole you know mm. now i want to have a little rant here because i've got i've got two elite shooters next to me and there's obviously been off the back of chris's play some mvp talk and and people have sort of really lifted up his performance this year and the stupidest, in my opinion, narrative that I've seen are people coming out and saying like, oh, well, he shoots over 10 threes a game. Of course, like when you shoot that many threes, they're bound to go in. You know, that's that's why he's hitting so many threes. So, it, it, you know, that doesn't matter or that diminishes his performances. I've got two shooters next to me. Who's saying that? Just it's as, a, you know, a marketing and media person, I have to spend a lot of time looking to what silly people say, looking at what silly people say online. And that is a lot of silly people are saying that online and it makes, it makes me grumpy. And I just want to get the perspective and let the silly people online hear from two elite shooters, just why that's a really stupid narrative. I'm not going to, no, we're not going to spend time. <laughs> no, it's, yep, it's ridiculous. He, yeah. He's, he's a world-class shooter. Like you, to, to say best shooter in the world, whatever, like you can't, you can't say that, but come into the gym and watch him shoot, you know, like, yeah, he's next level good to someone to say, oh, he only gets me because he shoots a lot. It, I don't want to spend time. It's, it's, that's an absurd statement. MVP talk, um, I think 
you know, each to their own in like the parameters that decide the MVP. Who scores the most points? Who has the best numbers? Who, you know, for me, it's, it's I've always appreciated best player on the best team, mm. right? So right now, especially after the last couple of games, given my, you know, preference for that philosophy, you'd be like, well, definitely front runner right there. What's going to hold him back? Well, I'd like to say we got a lot of good players on our team and as the season stretches on, you know, the 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 brilliant performances, uh, you would uh, would be great. You know, they get shared around and I'm CG would be stoked with that. And we got on to win the championship and that's the, you know, that's goal number 1. But yeah, like yeah, I would I would hope that he would definitely be in the conversation <laughs> right now. Well, yeah, he certainly is. And I, I want to talk about another person that's put together good performances and is one of those talents that are on this that has been on this team in Rob Lowe. So he he played his last game for us uh, during this time and he's headed back to New Zealand. Can you talk about the impact that Rob's had coming in? He obviously came in as the nominated replacement player while Joe was out and has spent time in the lineup while Delhi and Ian and, and Luke were out. Talk about his impact because we had him on a couple of weeks ago. He's just a bundle of joy. And it, it <laughs> seems like everyone just gets around him and he's just someone that brings people together. Yeah, he's great. Like for starters, he's a, he's really good at basketball. Like oh, yeah. we're, we're, we're lucky to have a bunch, like we talk about CG, obviously elite at basketball. And like you, you go down the list of our roster and be like, wow, that, that guy's really good at basketball. And Rob definitely falls into that, that category. Um, is it a, a, a skill set that you can't find like, so easily like guy that's 611 um big strong super super smart skillful shooter like great defender in kind of whatever coverage you want to you want to try to execute and um commitment to to game plan can kind of just plug him in and do whatever you want he'll do whatever you you ask of him um so there's that like how good we've been very lucky to have him i think um Possibly more importantly, like you say, like he's he's an awesome guy and he's fit in so brilliantly. Um, we've had some time. We knew Rob's time was coming to an end. He had to get back to, um, you know, as we know, young family and and, and another another child on the way. Um, and in one of the discussions, I think CG mentioned, like, man, he's been here. Like, how long has he been here? A couple of months. But it feels like he's been here. Um, feels like he's been here way longer just because the way he – he fit in so perfectly. Like you said, everyone got around him. Um, brilliant teammate. Great great guy to have. Uh, in addition, obviously, to being just like really good at basketball. Yeah, and I think there was a really special moment at the end of the game last night when the boys are having their huddle on the court after the win. And, you know, Chris is coming off a huge game and LT's had a great game. But the focus in that huddle was just Chris bringing in Rob and everyone getting around him and there were just massive smiles everywhere. So I, I feel like having that camaraderie, that's something that we talked about a bit with um, Chansey last week, just having the camaraderie within the team where everyone is just so happy for everyone else's success yeah. is so important in putting together a strong performance and a, and a great season. For sure. Um, yeah. Try to try to do your best to, to you know, to recruit and, and bring in great people as well as obviously good basketball players. And I think, think the club's done a really good job in that regard this season. Um, and not to say anything would change if things weren't going our way, but just so happens we're like 10 and two and, and, um, and that, that can obviously, you know, it's, it's great. That's great. I don't think I've ever been, I don't think I've ever been 10 and two in my career and Rob, we're talking about Rob. We were talking about it last night. Like he missed one of the games we lost. I don't think he was playing. 
No, the Perth game he did not play because right. that was the first game we were fully fully healthy, healthy right? For and then forty-seven for two, seconds, yeah, right. So Rob, like Rob's ten and one in the games he's played, and we, you know, in preseason, I think we went up to the Blitz, we went three and zero. So Rob's had a hell of a run here at Melbourne United. Rob's big time, yeah, for sure. Yeah, you get the feeling like the camaraderie, like you said, it's easy to get along when you're winning and everything's going well. But with the team you see him around, you get the feeling like even if. Not saying it's going to happen. I don't think it will. But you go on a three-game skid. It's not like the team's going to crumble. Like, these guys are close. They like each other and they like playing for each other. So um, it's, it's fun to watch from afar for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Bang! Yeah, here good. we go. Just in sync. Here we go. Well, we've broken down last night's game. We're going to get to a break and then we're going to get to the return of a of a segment that we debuted last week. It's their MU IQ test. Want to stay up to date with everything happening in Melbourne United? Download the Melbourne United app today. Filled with videos, audio and articles about your favourite team. It's the one-stop shop for everything Melbourne United. Download the Melbourne United app via the App Store on iOS or the Google Play Store on Android. And we're back on the Extra Pass podcast and it's time for the return. Two weeks in a row, very excited. It's the MUIQ test. So... The coaches are one and zero, so a lot of pressure on you, Barlow. You got to you got to keep the streak going. It's, quiz is culturally biased. Have you ever seen Blue Chips the movie? I have seen Neon Bordeaux. Chip. He says this. This is quiz is culturally biased because I am not as tapped in as the coaches, obviously, to the basketball and the history. Just want to put that out there. Still, you're around this club. You shouldn't know these things. <laughs> I'm just I'm just giving myself like a an excuse on a way out if I if I'm not very good. <laughs> well. Five questions, buzz in with your name, play along from home or wherever you're listening. Okay, question one. Out of his 12 games this season, how many games has Chris hit less than four three-pointers? Balls. <laughs> four. Incorrect. Do, you want <laughs> Do I get a shot? You have a shot. I don't know the answer. What? Sorry, say it again. Less than four. So how many games this season he's played 12 has Chris hit less than four threes? Five. Incorrect. It's two. Jeez. Two. How good. Two with less Jeez, than that's four. That's impressive. That's amazing. It is yeah. a lot. Yeah. All right. Question two. It's all tied up, nil all. So building off the United Kings rivalry that we saw on the weekend, can you name three players that have played for both Melbourne United and the Sydney Kings? Barlow. Muller. Casper Ware. And myself. Correct. I was say, you, you got one with ringing in your name. It was, it was, it was already you an answer. Have, you could have rung in and said Barlow. No, but I would have had to say my own name first. Why? Mm-hmm. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, no, you, did, you didn't play for United. I had to, you have to ring in with your name. Oh, so yeah. I had to say my name, but he rang in with Barlow and already got one right. So as I said, culturally biased. That one shouldn't count. Well, I know. Do. <laughs> All I know is you're losing balls. It's one nothing. All right, question three. Luke Travers finished the game with 18 points last night. How many of those points did he score in the second half? Barlow. All of them. Correct. All Didn't 18 really. in the second half. Man, he's fun to watch, but he has no reaction to anything whatsoever. It's like he does amazing things. And he's just he's just dead-faced, deadpan all the time. Nothing wrong with that. No, nothing, nothing wrong with that, I guess. That. But every now and then, I just let's, let's get a fist pump or something. Stone cold killer. Yeah, he is stone cold. All right, two nothing. You need to get both of these right. I mean, uh, okay, I don't like my chances, but they're, here we they're go. both multiple choice questions, if that helps. Okay. <laughs> Probably question, not. So question <laughs> didn't help on my test when I was growing up. <laughs> question four, multiple choice. Chris Golding is averaging 4.3 made three-pointers a game this season. Who was the last person 
to average as many made threes per game, as many or more. For for United? No, or? no, just in the league. Balls. So, well, I'm, you have, it's multiple choice and oh, I haven't shit. given you the answers. <laughs> no, <laughs> let him go. You got to say. John really. No, go on. <laughs> multiple choice. Oh, I'll let him have another go. He's, you're up to nothing. <laughs> no, okay. So here, A, Andrew Gaze. B, Shane Heal. C, John Robeson. Andrew Gaze, I don't know. Andrew Gaze is correct. <laughs> okay, well, I should have guessed him. He's the, the godfather of the game here. I should have said him first anyways. That's kind of, I got two chances at that, but I'll take it. It's 2-1. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> There's a big asterisk. If he wins this, it's got an asterisk next to it. Well, if he gets this one right, it goes to overtime. Overtime, There great. is an overtime question. All right, question five. Another multiple choice question. Campbell Blog scored his first career points Barlow. on... Go ahead. Oh. That's the game. Like what? Good strategy. I'll take it. Read oh. the rest of it. Good rest of it. Campbell Blog scored his first career points on the weekend. However, he's not the youngest person to get a bucket in United Colours. Who is the youngest? A. Sam Short. B. Aro Hookporty. C. David Aquera. Jeez, good one. That's tough. I need an answer. Jeez, mate. Well, Calm you, down. You've had 15 <laughs> minutes. You buzzed in. <laughs> Aquera. Congratulations, David Barlow. You are the winner of the MUIQ test. Give us the overtime question. The overtime question was closest to the pin, so you both get a go. Yep. How many points is Chris Golding averaging across his last four games? Nice. Go ahead. Mm, 26. 27. 28.5. Yes. Congrats. The audience was the winner on that one. <laughs> Congratulations. Well, we didn't have a prize last week, but we did joke about maybe because we talked. Protein bar or something? Well, we got a lot of this. <laughs> Barlow, doesn't, Barlow doesn't need any more protein bars. He's no, already about to burst out of that shirt. That's He does because he. that's why he looks like that. He's <laughs> a lot of protein bars. No, but we joked last week that because we talked so much about CDs. Oh, we could yes. get, We could get a, Let's get a prize. Get a, yes. a prize CD. Would have tried from, harder if I knew that. Well, Barlow, we congratulations. <laughs> you have won. Oh, i got to find it. Pearl Jam oh, 10. That's a great CD. Man. That's an incredible gift. Check this relic. It's a collector's item. It is. And it's got the broken case too. Like all CDs. Yeah, that's you don't know. One. You probably don't know. I've got But if that. you didn't I have it, if you had a CD it. case, it was going to be broken. Yeah. <laughs> i got a lot of CDs. We talk about this. I have a lot of CDs. Um, this is cool. You know what it makes me think of? Brett Wheeler. Brett Wheeler. Um Brilliant person, brilliant teammate, and he loved Pearl Jam. You know, so shout out to Wheels. But to uh, Balls, you know, you know what? Else? I don't have a C- CD player. Like no, if I you already want have this, that. No, you, you have, have two, man. No, this you have is, two now. That's a special edition oh, with exactly European. It's a special European oh, it's edition. A European it version, extra three tracks. Yeah, I already you don't have, have this. that one. Yeah, dude. three Not tracks the, extra. I don't have the European <laughs> version, but I want you to have it, Dave. <laughs> this is to get to get yourself a CD player. Now, some Pearl Jam behind the scenes. Remember Ben Pepper? Do you remember Ben Pepper? Absolutely. Absolutely huge Pearl Jam fan. Right. Hilarious guy. One of the funniest guys (laughs) I've ever known. Now, even more Pearl Jam stuff. This is probably for another pod. Eddie Vedder threw me an alley-oop. Get out. Really? I swear. Do we got time? Or should we? (laughs) We got time. Come on, bro. Barlow's got nothing going on when it comes to Eddie Vedder stories. All right. Quick version. Uh, (laughs) My first year of college, I was there early in the summer working out with a team. Just a hard Pearl Jam. Yeah, Pearl Jam was coming into 
perform in the Breslin Center, which is where he played. They got in touch with the coaches and asked if anyone was around to play like basketball before their performance because Eddie Vedder liked basketball and so did the guitar player. Do you know his name? I do not. He used to play in MTV Rock and Jock Games. He's actually pretty good. So we had three managers, me and another player, um, Jason Klein, um, just showed up, played three on three. Eddie Vedder was on my team. He threw me an alley-oop. I caught it and dunked it, and he gave me a high five, and he was like, man, that was awesome. That was so cool. <laughs> Eddie Vedder told me how cool it was. Uh, he was super they – were, they were just really cool guys. Uh, he wore the same Jordans in, like, flannel shirt and jean shorts for the game that he did for the concert that night. Well, <laughs> He's just a normal guy. What Jordans was he wearing? I think in my head there were the sixes, the infrared sixes. Ooh, wow. That's wow. in my head, that but it, it, that was, it was a while ago. I was picturing fives. Yeah, I mean, who knows? You know, yeah, you're right. And you. it's, I didn't have a cell phone then, so right. there's no pictures. No Can we nothing. contact Eddie Vedder and see if you remember? Get him on the pod. He <laughs> probably Eddie remembers it. Anyways, but they sat on. We sat on the stage for the performance, and um, yeah, it was cool. Well, was you just cool. got an invite because you played basketball with him. He too. said, and you can hang out with us after the show too. Did but you hang out with him? No, they the weren't show? doing anything. <laughs> but we sat with the guitars on the on the stage, so. Did you, did you know that was going to come from this? <laughs> no. Obviously was awesome. not. Was Eddie Vedder good at basketball? No. He was not good at basketball, but great guy. The guitar player was. I can't think of his name right now. But there's people out there screaming. Into their, All the massive their, Pearl yeah. Jam fans. Yeah. That is an interesting Venn diagram. People who listen to the extra well, bass they're, and they're, massive Pearl Jam fans. You know what they're – okay, a quiz for you. Do you know what their first band was called? But, but Pearl Jam was called before Pearl Jam. I don't. It was called – 10. Do you know why it was called 10? Do you know why this is called 10? Uh, because their first band was called 10. No, their favorite player was Mookie Blaylock. Oh, really? Yeah, their first. Actually, they were called Mookie Blaylock or something. He's number 10. That's why they called this album 10. Jeez. I told you I know a lot, just not a lot about, not a whole lot about United and basketball. <laughs> so we've lost all the listeners. Oh, yeah. Whoever's left. Whoever's left. No, just... people like it. Someone told me that at the game, someone told me their first CD. Because right. they listen to the pod. So write in about your CD stories. <laughs> <laughs> Wherever you are at the next home game, track down balls and yeah. scream your first CD. I'm anyway. there, yeah. Well, that was a rousing success, another rousing success. I want to finish on a bit of basketball with you, Barlow. Heading into the FIBA break, it's a time, you know, where the boys get a little bit of time off. You know, they can sort of head away or, you know, briefly, but still going to be working on the game and, and focusing on this second two-thirds of the season. What are the main focuses within this coaching group um, heading into the second two-thirds of the season? Uh, yeah, probably be like um, health, probably be a part of it. Everyone has a, had a bit of a chance to to get over any sort of injuries that people are carrying, um, maybe ability to to get like a, a intra-club game in to, to just keep the those game reps ticking over. Um and that'll be the first week. The second week, it'll be you know back to business, mm. um, preparing for what comes next. So yeah, like you mentioned, a chance to get away. Maybe there'll be a like a a, a window, like a, a double day off, for example. That's mm. not not super common during the year, but during these fever breaks, you can get maybe Saturday, Sunday off, and get healthy, still compete, and then get back into the prep the, the week after. And you talk about the intra club scrimmage. Dino said last time he was on that one thing that is coming up is the Melbourne United cricket game. Right. Can, yep. you, can you talk me through, one, your skills as a cricket player, yep. and two, who you're expecting the most from? Uh, I'm not great, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I think everyone would probably attest to that. 
I'm not the worst. You know, it's like the, you know, like overseas guys come come in and try to play cricket and try to play at least I've got them yeah. covered. Yeah, they yeah. do They do tend to throw, like go and bowl and throw. Yeah. And um, Dino oftentimes is the umpire. He lets that go a little bit. Um, <laughs> Much to your dismay. Or well. You're just trying to play pure cricket. Trying my best to play pure cricket. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not super pretty, but hey, I try my best and, you know, who's going to be good? I'm not sure. Um, I don't know. I feel like guys like like I reckon Newley might be good. I reckon Delhi might be good. Shilly, like the New Zealanders, they're good too. So CG might be all right. Yeah, I don't know. Who are you not apart from Ian? Because it's not it's not a yeah a sport for Americans. Who or, am I not afraid of? Yes. Well, yeah, I think Ian Ian's a pick on guy like yeah. <laughs> Ariel for too. sure, and and Ari, yeah, Ari, non Australian. It's like yeah, they don't know about yeah. cricket. <laughs> Just first bounces, just at his head. Well, I'm, I just don't have that. I don't have the ability to, <laughs> to, to do all that. It, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, just, it, can it goes go where it goes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hope for the best. Well, Barlow, we really appreciate you coming in after a massive win. It was great to hear about the game. Great to see the coaches go 2-0 up on balls. We'll, we'll see if that continues over the course of the season. But expecting big things and hoping for big things for the rest of the season. So thanks a lot, Barlow. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Dave.